Hey there. If you're serious about angel investing, it's critical to understand the underlying economics. Now, if you're a founder, this is also a useful video for you because it'll help you understand how angels think about their investments and help you in speaking to them in their own language. At the end, I'm going to share the most important rule for angel investing to make sure that it's economically successful and not disastrous for you. The most common advice that new angels get is that you should plan to make at least 20 investments. But why is that? It really comes down to statistics. So the studies that are out there of common angel portfolios suggest that 60% of the investments that you make will basically be complete losers. They'll return zero, company will just go bankrupt and do nothing up to maybe giving you 10, 20, 30 cents on the dollar back. But fundamentally, they're disastrous for investments. About 30% will return some money. So maybe you'll get your investment back up to a few times your investment back. And then 10% are actually quite successful. So at that point, you're maybe making 10, 20, 50, 100 times your money back. Those are the big winners. They're what you're going for. And that's where the you should make 20 investments come from. If, if your returns are driven by something with a 10% chance of happening, if you make 10 investments, you might hit one of them, but there's at least a 50-50 chance that none of your investments turn out to be that big return thing and your portfolio is gonna be looking pretty bad. When you get to 20 investments, now you've got a reasonable chance of hitting one, maybe two, maybe even three significant returning investments. And that makes all the difference. Now you might say, well, I just will avoid the losers and pick the winners. Well, if there were a solution to doing that, some people would be incredibly successful as angel investors. But so far, no one's ever shown an ability to systematically buck this trend in any great way. Startups are such a random process. There are so many ways in which things can go well or go badly. There's timing, there's market conditions, strife within the founding team. You just never know. And so the only real way to ensure successful returns is by getting that statistically significant number of bets to make sure you hit those winners. Another advantage of doing a large number of investments is it allows for sector diversification. Right now, as I make this video, the current hotness is AI-based companies. They're springing up everywhere. They're getting a huge amount of attention. And last year, everyone was talking about blockchain and crypto companies, and that was where all the hotness was. But that sector has cooled off a lot. There's been a huge fallout. That valuation has crashed. But if you'd put all of your investments into that one sector, it probably would have turned out very bad. We don't know how AI is going to turn out, but it's probably a bubble again. There will be a few fantastic companies, but my guess is there's a huge amount of fluff out there that's going to get washed away as the sector starts to mature. Whereas if you have investments in many different sectors, so you've got some blockchain, you've got some AI, you've got some SaaS, maybe you've got some hardware or internet of things or med tech, green tech, right? You spread it around a little bit. Then if any one of those sectors does extremely well, well, you have some participation there. 
And if one of those sectors does truly terribly, well, that's a couple of the losers in your portfolio, but it doesn't take the whole portfolio down. Let's take a look at how the typical angel's returns vary depending on the size of their portfolio. AngelList put together a fantastic report on this. They did surveys of a huge number of different angels to get a real accurate statistical view of how angel portfolios do based on size. So let's start off by looking at small portfolios. So let's say you're investing in five companies. The average return on investment for investors with five companies was zero. And in fact, a majority of those people lost money on their investments because with five, you're probably not going to hit one of those winners. With 10 investments, you had an annualized return on average of 6%. But still, about a third of the investors actually lost money with a 10-company portfolio. With 20 companies, you have on average a 7% annualized return on that investment. And only about one in six portfolios ended up in the red at the end of the day. When you get up to a really good sized portfolio, 50 companies, now the average return was 10% per year and only one in 10 portfolios lost money. And it does get a little better from there, but 50 is really where it starts to level off and anything beyond 20 you're really starting to have the statistics in your favor. One of the things that drives this annualized return so low is that these are long-term investments. When you're looking to invest in a company, typically you're hoping that it will have a return in five to seven years. Realistically, from what I've seen, most of your big winners actually come in at more like 10 years, which means that whatever return you got now gets divided by 10 in terms of annualized returns. So even if you've got a good return on the whole portfolio, you still might not be outperforming the stock market. So before we dig into some details on exactly how this breaks down, I wanna ask you to do me a favor. Please like this episode, subscribe to the channel, and ring that notification bell. It makes an enormous difference to us, and it tells YouTube what kind of content you want to see more of. Now, if you want to make sure you're always alerted to new content, because YouTube's not great at that, go over to feeltheboot.com and sign up for our newsletter, Bootprints. It's very low volume, but it will let you know every time new episodes come out. It'll also give you access to my office hours. So if you've got any questions about angel investing or startups or any other related topic, I'd love to talk to you. That's freely available to all subscribers to the newsletter. So let's actually look at a breakdown of the results from a typical portfolio of 20 investments. So we'll put that up here. As you can see, we have out of that 20, one of them is gonna be a substantial return. Let's say that's 20X. One of them out of 20 is also a pretty big winner, but maybe not as much. Let's say that's about 10X. This is typical sort of uh, values. Then you've got several that are sort of mid-range success. So you've got five more that returned a little bit. And then the remaining 12, they all lost money, almost all of the money. And so overall, the whole portfolio, really driven by those winners, returned 130% overall on the portfolio over, we're going to assume, 10 years, or about 13% return per year. So that's a good return on this portfolio. You would be considered a successful angel investor with this outcome. But let's take a look at what happens if you fail to catch the whale. So we'll put up here an example where 
well, it's not terribly likely, let's say you didn't get any of those big returns. So that 20 became a 3x and that 10x became a 2x. And now the entire picture looks very different. You have a 7% return on the whole, whole portfolio over 10 years, which means you're actually making less than 1% per year on this investment mix. And remember, there's still a meaningful chance that you could actually be losing money on the portfolio if things go badly enough. But with these kind of returns, you should have just been putting money in a savings account. But this investment game is really about trying to find those unicorns. And that's why so many people are looking at what's the maximum upside that this company can produce. And we're not looking to invest in any company that doesn't have the potential for at least 20 to 50 times, but really we want to see 10, uh, to, to see a hundred times or a thousand times returns, right? We want to hit that unicorn because it just takes one of those. So let's take a look at one more example. If we consider a case where we have one out of 20 companies returning 100x your money and the other 19 are all losers, what do we see? Well, actually, it's a pretty good outcome, right? We have about a 419% return over the 10 years of the investment when that one big winner comes in, which is, uh, what, a 42% per year return, which is phenomenal, right? That's really great. And that's why everyone is so excited to hit those unicorns. The more investments you make, the better the odds. Because when people are swinging for the fences, they tend to strike out a lot as well. It becomes a very binary kind of outcome. But because the returns are so big on the wins, that tends to be the incentive. It's the incentive for angels, even more for venture capital companies, right? They want to see you go big or go home. Uh, a single or a double kind of win that you as a founder might think was an okay outcome is just not interesting to them. So before we move on to that final rule, I wanted to let you know that all of this content is also available as a podcast if you prefer to get information on the go and you don't want to be tied to your computer, or it's also all available as articles. So every single episode that I do is done as a video, a podcast, and an article, and you can find all of that content over at feeltheboot.com. Again, link in the description. The most important guideline for starting out as an angel investor is to put together a budget before you write that first check. Or if you've already started writing checks, do it right away before you write your next check. So let's start out by looking at the time frame. Typically, angels are looking at making investments over maybe five to 15 years period. So let's take an average, we'll say 10 years. You're gonna be making investments over a 10 year period. So if you wanna hit 20 investments, that means you need to be investing in two companies a year on average. Then look at how much money you have to invest. Normally, you don't want to be putting more than 10% of your investment savings at risk in such a high risk category. Because even when you're making a bunch of investments, there's a non-trivial chance that this will just be a total bust. And you don't want to do that with your retirement savings. So what is 10% of your savings or 10% of the money that you can afford to put aside on an annualized basis? That tells you how much money you have to play with. I really encourage you to actually put that in its own account. So you know where that money is, you know how much it is, and that will help resist the impulse if you see a really interesting opportunity, but you've already blown your budget, to sort of reach back in and start taking more out, because that is the slippery slope to disaster. Now that you know how much money you have to play with over 10 years, in fact, 
you don't really have that much money to play with because you want to take about half of it and set it aside for follow-on investments. This is generally thought to be a best practice. When you've got a winner in your portfolio and they're starting to take off, when there's a, an A round or a B round, you would like to try to maintain your pro rata, keep your ownership, because that'll improve your end result. Because as the company grows, the risk generally goes down. So if you had, let's say, a million dollars to play with over those 10-year period, actually half a million of that should be set aside for follow-on investments and you have half a million to play with for the companies you're going to invest in. And since you're planning to invest in 20, effectively your budget per investment is 1 20th of that pot. And that tells you the size of investment you can make. That also determines what sorts of mechanisms you can use. Because typically, startups don't want to take pre-seed investments of less than $25,000. They don't want to have dozens of people on their cap table with a couple of thousand dollar investments. So if you can do, say, $25,000 to $50,000, you're great. You can do conventional angel investing in those companies. But if your typical check size is five or 10 based on this calculation, then you probably need to look at either doing crowdfunding or syndicates. And with a syndicate, you have a lead investor who picks the investment and then you can choose to opt into it and invest in that company. But you actually don't invest directly. You're investing into what's called a special purpose vehicle. It's usually an LLC that's set up just for the purpose. Everyone puts their small investments into that. It makes the big investment into the company. It just shows up as one line on the cap table. But that's a great option that if you don't have enough money to write a lot of big checks, you can still write a lot of smaller checks. Uh, syndicates often are as low as two to $5,000 per investment. And I've seen crowdfunding platforms where the minimum to get in is literally hundreds of dollars. So even if you don't have a lot of money to put into the game, you can still follow this sort of portfolio model where you've got at least 20 investments over your expected time period to make sure that your likely returns are positive. Now, of course, economics is not all there is to angel investing. So we created an entire playlist of episodes just on this topic. I encourage you to head over to the link there or in the description to see all the other episodes that I've done on angel investing. Thanks for watching this episode. I hope you found it useful and interesting and it helps you along your angel journey. Uh, please do the usual, like, subscribe, and ring that bell and head over to Feel the Boot and join our mailing list boot prints. Until next time, Ciao!